Let's jump into the message today, bringing joy to others. You know, one thing Carla and I have noticed in life uh, is when we're going through uh, some of our most challenging days, some of our most difficult times, you know, as a couple, in ministry, with our children, uh, with, uh, with our families, with friends, whatever. When, when we're going through some of our most challenging, difficult times, it's when we've actually seen God do his best work. Isn't it amazing that in the midst of a challenge, in the midst of difficulty, that's when we've seen God do his best you know, when finances were tight for us, that's when we saw God's provision. <laughs> Man, I can remember, we didn't know some days where food was going to come from. And you know what? It would be just that day that a box of food would show up on our step without us telling anyone. It's amazing. I, I can remember those days of God's provision. It wouldn't have happened if we hadn't faced a challenge. When we were raising our kids and we came to moments where we didn't know what to do. <laughs> you know, maybe they were sick. I remember one of our children being in the hospital. We didn't know what to do. Uh, last year, our granddaughter was run over. We didn't know what to do but to call out on the name of Jesus. And that's when we saw God's deliverance was the days that we needed his protection. Man, we thank God for his deliverance. We thank God for, for uh, the work that he's done in our children and grandchildren, and we've seen his protection on their lives. You know, when we're building ministry areas in the church, and we realize this week that we've been here since 1993 in Prince George. We were away for one year in the middle of that. So you can kind of figure out how long that's been. That's a long time of building and working. And sometimes we had no idea what to do. And we still have days like that now where we aren't sure what should we do, God. We need your wisdom and it's in those times of desperate prayer, desperate times that we saw God's grace activated in the church and in our lives. It is in those challenges when we face them that we can look forward to God's response. I want to encourage you, church, if you're going through a challenge, if you're going through a time where you don't know what to do, you feel ready to give up, I'm asking you, I'm urging you, let's look to God for his response. Let's cry out to God in desperation. Let's cry out to God in faith. Let's cry out to God in anticipation that he has something good in store for us. And let's see how he responds. God almost always responds to the tests by using the faith that we have to move us into success. When we're preaching about success, we're not talking about trying to make more money and trying to get a bigger house or a better car. If God wants to do that in your life, that's good on him. But I'm talking about using your faith to move you from your challenges into the success, into the plans and purposes that God has for you. You know, God works in and through people that we would least expect. 
<laughs> you know who it is? It's in me and it's in you. It's in regular people, the least people. You know, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 28 says, God chose the things despised by the world. The things that were just like discarded. You know, the world would look at them and think those people are, are nothing. I, I didn't even notice those people. Those people are just nothing to me. Things counted as nothing at all. 1 Corinthians 1.28 says, And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. That's what God does in his redeeming plans. He turns things around. He takes the things that are important and he makes them unimportant. He makes the things that aren't important and he makes them important. Turns things around. You know, our timing is not God's timing. You know, sometimes we can say, when God? When is this uh, epidemic going to be over? When is, you know, when is my financial challenge going to be over? When is, when am I going to be able to stop praying for that child that I have that's not following you, that's just, that's just gone crazy? When am I going to be able to, when, 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 when? I just want to encourage you, our timing is not God's timing. When it comes to keeping his promises. If God has promised you, I want to encourage you to keep holding on to his promise. Keep holding on to his word. You know, Abraham, in the Old Testament, got, he received a promise from God. The promise was that all the families of the earth, all the all the people groups of the earth, all the nations of the earth, all the people of the earth would be blessed through him. <laughs> you know, you might think, oh man, that's an exciting promise, God, that Abraham would have been just so excited. He probably would have jumped up and clicked his heels. He probably would have said, hallelujah. He probably wouldn't have just brought his tithe in to the to the storehouse, he would have brought in gifts of love and offerings to God just to bring praise to God. He probably clapped his hands in church extra hard that week. <laughs> but it didn't happen for years and years and years until the promise was fulfilled. In fact, we see in Galatians 3.14, Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, He redeemed us. <laughs> You and I, he redeemed us. That in order that the blessing given to Abraham, that all the families of the earth would be blessed. The blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, you and I, through Christ Jesus. So that by faith, there it is again, by faith, that's how we get through the test. That's how we get through the challenge. We might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know, God wants to empower you. You're in a, you might be in rock bottom right now. I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is knocking at your door. He wants in. He doesn't just want to come by and knock on your door and run off. It's not a game to him. He wants to fill you. He wants to fulfill the promise given to Abraham. He wants to see that you would be blessed. That you would walk in the blessing of God. You know, God is in the redemption business. He takes people, he takes individuals, families, nations. Takes, he takes people that others would reject, discard, and he brings honor and glory 
to himself through them. Now, this simply just means he shows his goodness. He shows his power. He shows his love. He shows what he can do for all to see through our lives. Let's not give up. Let's not give up. God wants to use you. He wants to show his goodness through your life. Don't give up. This is not the time to let go. This is the time to make every effort, right? This is the time to put our faith and hope in Jesus. Our challenges, our tests, they may not look very appealing. They may not have anything attractive about them. But I want to encourage you again, and I did this last week, that tests can serve a redemptive purpose in your life, in my life. To move us into greater responsibility, greater privilege. <laughs> we want to grow. We want to move on in responsibility and privilege. We want, to, we want God to be glorified through our lives. Are you finding the Lord testing you these days? Has he sent something into your life that seems to be leading you into a challenge? Has he sent someone into your life that seems to be leading you into a test. We're going to be reading uh, in our text in a minute about how God allowed his people to be led into captivity, to be tested. You know, I'm not God, but I'd like to suggest to you today that God often uses tests to move us into success. <laughs> I don't think that's really all that good news for us today. When we think about wanting success, I think most of us say we want success without the test. But God often uses tests to move us into success. Let's not short circuit his plan, okay? Let's be cooperative with his plan. Let's yield to his plan. You know, you might be whining, <laughs> man. You might be whining to your wife about the test you're in, about the, about the difficulty or the challenge that it seems like God is leading you through. I want to encourage you. Stop the whining, guys. Let's, let's pull up our big boy pants and do our belt loops up an extra notch or whatever we got to do. We can do this. Put our faith in God. He's going to help us. And, uh, and not just the men. Let's eat children. You know, youth, young adults, women, older people. Let's all, let's all yield to the test that God leads us into when he wants us to grow into greater success. Could he be doing this in, t in your life? Let's read from Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. <laughs> There's that word. All the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. They were in a test. Israel was in a test. They were, they were captives. Build homes, he said. Plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have grandchildren. I love that. Man, Judah and Maria, I am I'm prophesying over you. You'll have many children. <laughs> I would love some more grandchildren. 
And uh, man, that'd be exciting uh, to see more grandchildren. Multiply. There's the word. Multiply. Do not dwindle away and work for peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray for the Lord for it, for its welfare to, will determine your welfare. So from this text today, I want to I talk to you about three ways you will know that God is testing you. <laughs> three ways that you will know God is testing you. Number one, it will feel like a battle. It's going to feel like you're in a battle. These people in our text were being held captive. They were being dragged out of their homes, out of their country, out of everything that they loved and everything that was familiar, and they were being take, taken prisoner and captive into a foreign land. It's going to be uncomfortable when you're being tested <laughs> and when, uh, when God is testing you. It's going to be something that you likely are not going to want to do, okay? So if you're, if you're thinking, oh man, when God tests me, it's going to be something I want to do. Uh, I'm telling you that sometimes when God tests you, it might be things that you don't want, you know? He's put that in your life for you to overcome. It's going to be a fight. You're going to have to live with intention. You're going to have to be strategic. You might feel defeated. You might things uh, think that things have been taken from you. But I'm wanting to encourage you that this battle is simply a test. You can overcome. You got to imagine these people were being dragged out of everything that they were fam familiar with. And they were expected to pass the test. They were expected to be faithful. They were expected to keep their hearts pure. They were expected to, to continue to love God and have faith in God. It, was, it is going to feel like a battle. But you know what? You can do it. You can do it. You can do it because God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Second way that you'll know that God is testing you, it's going to affect your whole life. It's going to impact your whole life. You know, we might buy into this lie that we've got a private life, that what I do doesn't affect everyone. You know, we might have some secret sin in our life where we think, oh, you know, I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just doing this. No one knows about it. It doesn't have any effect. But what we think, what we do, affects everything. You know, the, the, these people were being asked. Jeremiah was giving them the word of the Lord. He was saying, let your whole life stay focused on God. There's no private spot in your life to have another, another thing. Everything that you know that God wants you to do, that's what he wants you to do, to continue to live a life of faith. You know, during covid we could just say, you know what, I'm not, no one can see me, I'm just here. You know, I can watch church or not watch church, I can complain, I can do whatever I want. Well, no, you can't. Let's not, when we're being tested, let's not give up. Let's not set, uh, step back. Let's not stop caring. Let's not, not be intentional. You know, you look at this list, build homes, plan to stay, 
plant a garden. Eat the food. That, you know, I mean, they're going through. Let every part of your life just continue to be unto God. Like, just like you were living in Jerusalem, live that way in Babylon. Keep doing it. Keep doing the things you know that work. And don't get distracted by the battle. Let's keep moving on to the things, church. <laughs> this is not the time. In the battle is not the time to start running around, scurrying and doing whatever we want. No, let's continue to do the things that we know are going to produce fruit in our lives. We can get arguing. We can get demanding our own way. We can get, you know, I was talking to some other pastors. And I said, you know, sometimes it feels like the church is just like being a spoiled brat. You know, we're just like kicking our feet and wishing we could do this and wishing we could do that. You know what? I know how easy, because I get tempted to do that too. So I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. If you, if you were doing that, don't worry about it. Let it go. But let's not, let's not get called and dragged into that. Let's be the church. Let's do what we know to do, church. Let's love like no one else. Let's serve like no one else. Let's pray like no one else. Let's build. Let's care. Let's be the unusual people that God has called us to be, who he's redeemed us to be, who filled us with his Holy Spirit to be. We can do it. We don't do what we do because it's easy, because it's convenient. We do the work of being the church because it's who we are. It's who he saved us to be, redeemed us to be. And then the third way we know God is testing us is it will result in you focusing on others. i got six minutes, so I'm going to have to hurry. Problems are not hard to see. We can get distracted. We can get focusing on problems. I don't know if you're like me, uh, but that's what happens to me, man. A problem comes, and I'm just like, whoo, the problem, you know, it's like, like squirrel or whatever, you know, they say that. Uh, I can get like that. I'm working on one thing, and there's a problem, and I, got, I get distracted and go after that. I get focused on that. We see them in a battle. We, when a battle's going on, we can see the problems, but problems can't be our focus. People must remain our greatest focus. And Jesus came. He, Jesus did not come to this world and die on the cross for problems. Jesus came into this world and died on, this, on the cross and gave his life as a ransom for you and I, for people. That's why he did it. And we must let that focus stay in our eyesight. We got to keep our eye on that goal that we love people. We live for people. You know, there's a few people I know that seem to be able to walk in joy no matter what. When you're living with people uh, that are grumpy, you know, complaining, negative, whiners. You know, it kind of makes you grumpy and complaining and negative and whining, doesn't it? It kind of rubs off on you. And, it, and, and once you're around it for a while, you just want to get away from it. But when you're with somebody that's joyful, uh, it's attractive. There's something attractive about it. Have you ever tried to make somebody happy? You know, somebody that was grumpy, somebody that was negative, and you just tried to make them happy. You know, I have a game that I play with my grandkids, and I tickle them. You know, when, they're, when they start 
getting distracted and grumpy and stuff, I just go and I start going like this and I go and tickle their armpits and their feet and stuff. And they just, they can't help it. They start to laugh. But they want to keep being grumpy, right? It's kind of a fun game. And sometimes we're like that. Someone's trying to make us happy and like, oh, I don't want to. You can't make people change, (laughs) you know? Pastor Kimmy said this in a message last month. You can't uh, want someone to change more than they do. If you try, you're going to make them feel manipulated and you will just get frustrated. (laughs) Anybody relate to that? You'll make them feel manipulated and you're going to get frustrated because you can't do it. Right? They're going to see through what you're doing, and you actually can't do anything. I want to encourage you that we can get anchored to Jesus. You know, when we're, when we're seeing problems, when we're seeing a challenge, when we're seeing a test, what we want to do is not get focused on, on the grumpiness or happiness of others, but let's get anchored to Jesus. There's only one person that doesn't change who can't change, and that's Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, this gives us a couple of thoughts. One, the fact that Jesus doesn't change can give us hope because he's our deliverer. He's our rock. He's our refuge. He's our salvation. He's the stronghold of our life. Psalm 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God. He is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. You know, joy and circumstances last only as long as our circumstances last. If our circumstances are joyful, uh, we're joyful. If the joyfulness ends, our joyfulness will end. Joy in possessions only lasts as long as our possessions last. Joy in friendships lasts only as long as the friendships last. Has a friend ever let you down? Lasting joy comes from our confidence in the one who gives us joy. Jesus, he won't change. He can't change. He's our rock. We can hold on to him. But it can also give us hope. It can also give us hope. We can be encouraged. Do you have someone in your life who needs to change? Do you have someone in your life who needs to change? Maybe it's you. (laughs) Maybe you're the one in your life that needs to change. Maybe you uh, have a child that you just have been praying for. Maybe you have a boss, you know, that's driving you crazy. Maybe there's a friend that you have. Maybe there's a neighbor, whatever. Is there someone in your life that needs to change. It looks impossible that they will never change. In fact, you've said that person will never change. You know, I've had, had a friend who is so stubborn, I thought there was no way they would ever change. In fact, I used to say it, that person will never change. And I gave up on our friendship. We moved away. We became apart and never saw each other for years. And I was so surprised one time when I ran into them I was so surprised years later to see that they had actually changed. (laughs) They had become humble and teachable and joyful in their lives. 
So I know that if someone needs to change, they can actually change. And I want to give you these three thoughts from the scripture. Uh, when we have someone in our life that needs to change. Number one, be encouraged. Remember that God wants us to change more than we do. God wants change even more than we do. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That word repentance means change. He's being patient, and he's leading us to a place where we'd be willing to change. Is the test you're going through leading you to a time of change in your life, that God is at work. Let's be encouraged. God wants change in us more than we do. God wants change in that person that you're thinking of more than you do. Number two, be reminded. All of us have had to change. <laughs> Everyone has to change. And uh, if we've changed, they can change too. Right? All of us have had to change, and if we have changed, they can change too. 1 Corinthians 6 11 says, And that is what some of you were when you were, but you were washed. It's talking about when we lived our old lives. That's what we were, but we were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the power of the Spirit of our God. Let's be remembered that God has worked in our life. Number three, let's be prayerful. Our prayers for people uh, are powerful. When we pray for people, they don't just fall on the ground. Let's pray to God. Let's pray in faith. And when we pray that they can be powerful prayers. And you know what happens as we pray for people? As we begin to love them. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Are you thankful for that person in your life that needs to change? You know what will happen as you begin to pray for them? That joyfulness, thankfulness will start to come in your life. I want to end today's message with this. Three people from our text. Three people Jesus put you and Prince George to bring joy to. Three people... Jesus puts you in Prince George to bring joy to. You know you're not in Prince George just to go to school. You're not just in Prince George to get a job. You're not in Prince George just to get ahead. You're not here just to just to just. God has you in Prince George with a purpose, with a plan. And he wants you to bring joy to three people in Prince George. Number one, he wants you to bring joy to your neighbor. To your neighbor, Mark. 12, verse 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. So who's your neighbor? Well, your neighbor is the person in Prince George that needs the love of Jesus. That's who your neighbor is. And God put you in Prince George to bring joy to your neighbor. This morning, I want to encourage you to think of one person. One person in Prince George that needs the love of Jesus. Just get them in your, maybe you know what they look like. You don't know their name yet. Maybe you know their name. I'd like you to get their face in your mind. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's someone that lives in your neighborhood. Maybe it's someone you see at the coffee shop or whatever. Jesus put you in Prince George to bring joy to that person. Second person 
is the helpless. James 1 verse 27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress. And in James's day, orphans and widows were the helpless. We have others that are helpless in our day. They're not able to help themselves. This is a person that God has put you in Prince George to bring joy to. I'd like you just to consider, who do I know that's helpless? Who's a person in my life that's helpless? Maybe it's someone you've criticized or, or uh, looked down on. I'd like you to get in your mind that person. Maybe you don't even know anybody in that way. Maybe you just want to pray, God, help me to get to know someone that's helpless. You know why? Because it is a way for you to act out your true faith. The helpless. The third person is our leaders. 1 Timothy 2 verse 2. It says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. You know, leaders are the people that God put in our lives to bring order in our lives. And we're asked to pray for them. So these are the three people that Jesus put us in Prince George to meet. And so let's think of a leader in our city. You know, maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's the mayor. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's another person. Let's, let's think of somebody. You, you should have three people. Hopefully you're writing them down. Those people that you're imagining. I don't want you to let go of this church. Let's make every effort to be the church, to live by faith. Let's be people, even though we're being tested, that overcome by faith. Amen. Let's just have a prayer as we close. Lord, thank you for putting us in Prince George. Maybe you're watching this morning, you live in another town. Just thank God for putting uh, you in that town. I know people are watching in other provinces and other places. So you just pray for your own place. Lord, thank you that you've put me in this place. Thank you that you want to use me to bring prosperity and blessing to my neighbor, to the helpless, to our leaders. And Lord, we pray right now you would anoint us, empower us to be people of faith that would bring change in these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.